Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 28 of Passion Project, the podcast about passionate people and the things that drive them. I'm your host, Taylor Reed. Guys, we are in full-fledged swing of the holiday season. Everyone's putting up their Christmas tree. I don't know how I feel yet. Our apartment's too small. We have no Christmas decorations here. We are storing them at a different location, so we literally can't put anything up. Um, But happy holidays, everyone. Merry Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. It's all going to get here soon, and I'm just excited. So uh, anyway, (laughs) I just wanted to say that right off the top. Uh, Welcome to the show if you're new, uh, if you're old. If you're an old listener, welcome to the show. Um, We love you guys. Uh, If you haven't followed us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, passionproject.pod. And uh, go ahead and follow me, The Tay Reed. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys as well. This week on the show, we have another incredible guest, Joseph or Joe. Uh, Hear all about his upbringing and being a twin and some fun stories with that. Joe is also a cop, so hear all about how his spirituality for him intersects with his job. So without further ado, here is episode 28 of Passion Project. awesome that's awesome mm-hmm. well joe is it okay i know for i guess formally you like joseph but i know growing up we used to all call you joe but do you prefer like one thing it's uh mostly joe yeah pretty okay. much everyone in my life calls me joe yeah, yeah 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 i kept messaging you and like your facebook name is joseph so i was like oh i wonder if he likes one or the other uh, and i was like oh, i'll just ask him but yeah i guess people that know you you don't mind that <laughs> they call yeah me. joe joe is totally fine yeah 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 well joe thank you so much for doing this i just really appreciate it we're gonna talk a, a, all about what you do and i'm excited for that and um excited to get to know i mean we grew up in the same in richmond in the same mm-hmm. place yeah um i've had a couple different guests on the show that did theater with me in high school so the listeners know that they're you know that I did do theater and all of that um so I'm interested to see even if that has any influence of like what you're doing now (laughs) oh yeah it does theater (laughs) I'm sure I wonder if it does Um, it absolutely does yeah 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 that's cool that's cool so uh but first I like I've been talking to people of course the you know with the pandemic being here in the world being here it's never going to leave really is it ever going to leave <laughs> i think i we're either going to get a vaccine or yeah i don't know man we're here for a while though yeah. i know uh as of recording this in mid-september this won't come out until like november just so you know okay but, <laughs> but um yeah a lot i feel like i keep saying like a lot has changed i feel like we've learned a lot like as a country i feel or just as as a culture about i feel like it's kind of we're kind of in this like new normal with quotations <laughs> phase. yeah for sure for sure um but what has your kind of journey been like what how have you been processing um yeah i mean it's it's a lot <laughs> and you're talking specifically just about the pandemic and yeah, yeah, how, yeah. how that's impacting me gotcha, yeah. gotcha yeah good question so um I think for me, it's definitely settled in now. We've been dealing with this for 
what, six, seven months now yeah. since yeah. March. So it's settling in now. Things are becoming, like you said, new normal. Um, one thing that I'm, I'm really clinging on to is just um, I, I know where my hope lies. And that's something I can talk about later. But um, yeah. I believe in a, in a fully sovereign God that is in control providentially over all things. Um, including every molecule, every germ, yeah, right, every every touch of of this virus that's going around. So um, while I don't want to use that as as an excuse to be reckless, I also know that like like God's fully in control. And again, yeah. we'll 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 go into that kind of the meat and potatoes more later. But mm. um, for me, I'm definitely like using the precautions. But um, like when it comes to work and stuff, there's sometimes where I don't have a choice. Like I have yeah. to. I have to go into a place where like someone tested positive or mm -hmm. um, someone tells me like, Hey, I'm having these symptoms, but like I have to do my job. So um, yeah. it's getting tricky, but we, they've well equipped us. We have lots of latex gloves. I go to pretty much every call wearing gloves now. Yeah. Um, they, we have like, we're always getting replenished with M95 masks, which are the masks that really protect us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, we you don't have no everywhere. Disney masks. Come on. I wish man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's lots of disinfecting. Like I, I'm always, you know, Lysoling my uniform. I'm always, yeah. you know, taking every precaution necessary. But I also know that, like, if I get if I get the virus, I get the virus, and I'll, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I know for for us particularly, like, we're you're 24 as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're both 24. We're we're both young men. We're both relatively healthy. So mm -hmm. I think. For us, the risk is not so high. For me, I'm just, you know, cautious about bringing it to my parents. So, like, yeah. last weekend, I visited my parents in Richmond. Um, and, like, it was all, all me, my brother, and my sister, and then my parents. First time in a long time. And um, mm -hmm. we, did, we did what we call, like, a, a, a distance dinner. Yeah. We had dinner together, but we, were, we weren't hugging. We, you know, we were keeping our, our distance. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were just trying to be safe. But it was... Yeah. So I think we're making it work and I think we'll, we'll be able to do our holidays too. Cause that's coming up soon too. I know. So. Can you believe that? I know. <laughs> especially I know. when this is released, like we'll be in full swing of holidays, which is, that's right. it'll be, I feel like it really snuck off. I, I feel like every year it does, but this year in particular, I don't know why it just like really creeped up on us. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It <laughs> always the, does. The man. season's finally like starting to change. That's like one thing. I love when it's not hot anymore in Virginia. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I, I don't know how it is where you are, but it's probably about the same where I am. It's, it's been really comfortable outside. It's like you, really, you can wear a it's, jacket. It's a little windy here where we are, but like, yeah, it's super nice. I, yeah. we, love it. we love, we try and get outside as much as we can. Mm -hmm. um, you did mention a little bit like listening to sermons and stuff, but mm -hmm. um, is that, part of your self-care but are there any other things that you do with self-care because i love um hearing people like for me it's you know, it's of course getting outside but also like playing piano or something like that but what mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you do for yourself yeah good question so um a lot of it and, and i'm gonna be fully transparent here i'm very <laughs> much a homebody like i just mm -hmm. like like there's nothing uh, for me i just like the quiet of my own home with a nice cup of coffee and a book yeah. Um, and I just, I like being kind of in my own space, not bothered by anybody. Um, and I think that's, that's the introvert in me. I'm very introverted, not in the sense that I'm not social, but in the sense that I get my energy and recharge when I'm by myself. Right. right. Um, so there's nothing better for me than just a quiet home and a book to read and a nice cup of coffee. So, 
Um, so that quarantine for, really probably was good for you. Oh, it was great. Man. If you did I, I have think, the quarantine. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, so I think, uh, yeah, like the quarantine has been nice for introverts and I'm sure if, if anyone listening is an extrovert, like it's definitely been hard. Like me. Um, yeah, for sure. I'm like, sure you, you know, you remember from high school, I'm definitely an extrovert. Absolutely. I remember, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's definitely good being in, in the quiet and being at home, but I think like, even as an introvert, that's taken a toll on me. Like I miss doing things like going out and getting dinner with friends yeah. or my wife or family. Right. I miss going to the movie theater. Right. Like yes. I miss all those things that I used to do that I do out. And so, mm. um, but to answer your question, yeah, self-care definitely is for me mentally and just definitely spiritually and yeah. emotionally being here, um, being in a quiet place. And sometimes my dog is barking and, 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 and annoying, but I love her too. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. Has you, you mentioned, of course, a little, we haven't really mentioned it yet as of recording, but you're <laughs> a police officer, um, mm-hmm. in, uh, and so I wonder too, with the pandemic, you mentioned, of course, wearing masks and gloves and all of that, but how has, has it affected your job? I don't know if you can speak to that, like how it yeah. has affected it as far as maybe not so much like doing it I don't know if it affected it either just like doing it well but also like of course it affect I mean every job has been affected but like for sure affected like you're kind of day-to-day doing your work good question so I'll I'd say it would go it started in phases so what you had about March was the pandemic was starting everyone it was kind of kind of the the chaos like panic um which I, I don't think was a healthy response for a lot of people to panic. <laughs> but um, despite all of that, you know, we're still being told, like, because per state code, if someone calls 911, per state code where I work, there must be a police response when, when right. that's necessary. So right. um, you can't, I, I can't tell, tell somebody that I work with, hey, I'm not going to go in there because the person might have the virus, yeah. right? Yeah. I have to do my job. So um, in the beginning, you definitely saw a lot less proactivity with the police. We didn't, most of us sat in parking. It was probably for like two or three months. Like we just sat in a parking lot and if you needed us, you can call us. We're not going to go out there. And because a lot of us were worried, a lot of us, most of us have families, right? So yeah. we, we didn't want to take something home. And, and so there was a lot of fear there. We didn't want to get caught up in something that we initiated and then take mm-hmm. it home. Now, if, if we don't initiate it, if we get sent somewhere and have to deal with it and catch it, okay, we couldn't stop that. Like we had to do our job. But so I think yeah. in the beginning, it was definitely like no proactivity, nothing. Everyone just stayed, stayed to themselves. No one wanted to do anything. Right. And um, then it kind of settled in a little bit. And, and I think we also got a little bit more information about the virus. We got a little bit more mm-hmm. information about who it affects more than other people. Um, and then you saw a little bit, little bit more of us, you know, going out there and, and, and being proactive, like, but I didn't make a traffic stop for like almost three and a half months. Like wow. I, didn't, I, I made not a single traffic stop. Like yeah. I, I did not want to get myself into something that would potentially bring the virus home to myself. So, right. and my wife, but uh, now we're getting back to normal. Like you said, new mm-hmm. normal, like we're, we're using all the restriction, like we're, we're wearing masks, we're gloving up. Um, we're, you know, on, on anything, any small little call where we might yeah. not even talk to somebody, we're still masking and, so we're doing what we can for sure. And there have been several officers that I work with that actually tested positive for the virus, mm. um, which was a little scary. But um, most of these people, actually all these people, um, they were they quarantined for a few weeks yep. and they got over it and they came back to work. And yeah. 
mm-hmm. and they're good to go now. So yeah. uh, big blessing on that side for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. The, the Corona journey, it just, I just, everyone's so different and, mm-hmm. you know, everyone kind of has their own thing. People are baking bread. We talked about bread so much on the show. I feel like <laughs> so over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's. I. I find it interesting, and I. I wonder if I'll. I'll probably. I'm sure I'll get to a point where I don't ask people about their coronavirus journey. But I mean, it's relevant though. <laughs> the world has changed. I know the world has changed so much by this. Is that I feel like even in the next like five years, we'll still be talking about it. Unfortunately. Oh, we will be for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Lord willing, if if the Lord blesses both of us with children, this will be something our children we'll know all about oh yeah yeah. i keep talking about how like how how you know 10 years from now how little kids are going to be affected by this like that are now like five six seven years old like Mm -hmm. i mean they don't i i just i wouldn't even be able to comprehend it at that young Mm -hmm. age no absolutely not (laughs) yeah it's crazy um but we're gonna swerve swerve away from all that okay and uh talk all about your upbringing so were you born and raised in richmond I was. I was born and raised in the East End. I was born in the East End of Richmond near, near New Kent County. And um, at age four, my parents wanted to get me into a good school system. Um, and so we moved to the West End of Richmond. Um, that sounds like and, your mom wanting to get you in a good school system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And my mom, my mom is, I mean, she was a teacher. She is still a teacher. Um, yeah. So she, she valued that a lot. So yeah, I grew up in the West End of Richmond. And I, I had two loving parents, mother and father that loved me very much. Um, and obviously played such a giant role in kind of where I am yeah. now. So yeah. I, that, I think that's one of the biggest blessings I had as a child was, mm. was that exactly. So did you like growing up there? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, you know, it's kind of funny. Everyone, you know, I tell people where I grew up and, and, they're like, oh, that's like the really rich, bougie side of it. And, and, <laughs> and it's actually, we actually moved there. Um, right before it it got big right before like the schools got there the mall got there and Mm -hmm. so um like when we got there it was our house another house and the rest of the area was just woods um so like just not true anymore (laughs) no it's not not at all so so we actually my my parents made a really great decision by getting that getting the house that they have um yeah when they did so Mm. um my parents they're both very hard hard workers but we were very middle class we were not like yeah super, yeah, yeah. Super rich yeah yeah that's kind of how we were we were and it's funny do you feel like now people you know i say i'm from richmond and people are like oh short pump like that's all they know yes absolutely yeah <laughs> isn't that hilarious it's like yes uh yeah but there's more to i loved growing up in richmond i think it's like one of the best cities it um, is I am a little biased because I grew up there, but, um, but my wife grew up there too. My wife grew up on the West end and I feel like we always joke cause I grew up on the South side and she's always like, Oh, I hate going to the South side. And I'm like, it's literally like 25 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> you cross a bridge over a river. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but, and I'm like, listen, this is the mentality is that West enders hate going to the South side, but we go over there all the time. We go to the, Oh, West for sure. All the time, yeah. And we don't complain about it. That's right. <laughs> We're talking I, actually, a little, I like it down there in the yeah. South side. It's, it's definitely a lot quieter. It seems a lot, a lot more woods. Yeah. It's just, more it's, chill, I think so. it's getting bigger. It'll, and I'm, I wonder if it'll eventually get like the West end in some place in some areas. I, th- I think you'll, you'll probably yeah. see that in the Midlow area for sure. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. It is definitely interesting to see, 
I mean, I feel like there's definitely a couple of years where I, w- I mean, even now I only go like maybe like three times a year. It's not even mm-hmm. that much. And I live so close. I mean, even in Lynchburg where I was before, I was only two hours and here it's only two hours. So it's, but every time I go back, I'm like, I didn't know this. This is a new building. I don't recognize mm-hmm. this thing. Where, where am I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it changes so every time for sure. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, we love, we, we just love, we could definitely see ourselves like going back there and like, ra- I think it's such a great place to raise kids. There's like just so much stuff to do, which oh, absolutely. when you have kids, like that's all you, you just, provide them with stuff right <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> you just have to keep them not bored for like 18 years and then, <laughs> and then that's all there is to parenting right man <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's all i know is not being a parent <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly of, of not being one yet um yeah and we have so you have two siblings um mm-hmm. one of them is your twin which is fun are you older than her or are you younger like who's who was born first? She's older by one minute, 60 uh, seconds, exactly. How much do you hate yeah. that? <laughs> it's actually, people ask me that all the time. It never really comes up. Like, even yeah. as, as kids when we were growing up, it never held it against me at all. Like, yeah. um, we never really thought much about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird. Like, I, I forget I'm a twin. I don't know if you experienced that, but I just forget I'm a twin. Like, oh my goodness. it's weird. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, I, it's uh, the only thing I can equate that to is that I have tattoos and I forget I have tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like have one up here on my, on my, um, bicep and I forget about it all the time. I'll see it and I'll be like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I got that, <laughs> that thing that stays on me permanently. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, and you have a younger brother. I, I, I think it's so interesting. I mean, I think twins are just, I, listen, I think the whole world is fascinated with twins because, and then the whole like Game of Thrones thing, right? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Uh, but I mean, I think just having a twin is so fascinating. Do you feel that, do you feel that like people are always asking you about it? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, so it's kind of weird. It doesn't really, it's not really a common thing that comes up in conversation. Yeah, unless, yeah, yeah. unless someone from my childhood knows. So like, yeah. um, it's kind of just valid, one of those. That's valid. It's like, hey, name name three fun facts about you, and that happens to be one of my fun facts. Yeah. And it's good. It's a good conversation starter, I guess. But it's um, it's definitely unique in the sense that like, I share a birthday. Like, mm-hmm. I I've never had, and that's not bad, right? Like, it's not like, oh, I want my own. But mm-hmm. um, like, it's like my birthday is her birthday, so it's like we. I'm always saying happy birthday to her while she's saying happy birthday to me. And, yeah. Um, and I think well, that's really you, unique. And of course, you have this like instant bond like right from birth um Mm -hmm. and i mean there are siblings that definitely have it i mean my sister and i are so close and we have this like instant i mean we have this crazy bond but like it's not we're not like we weren't in the same womb together right right. (laughs) um so i wonder I, i mean so and how much older are you guys from your brother it's like three years or four years it's about two years oh two Two years years. okay so Mm -hmm. Was that ever, do you guys even remember her, her, oh my goodness, him being born? Uh, like, oh, now there's this, did you guys ever feel that like, oh, now there's this like third baby and it's not like just us? Not at all. Um, because I mean, when my brother was born, I was two years old. So, I mean, it's yeah. um, obviously, you know, as a child, you, you have a lot of memories as a little infant, but um, you know, it was, wasn't until about, you know, getting about four years old when my brother was two years old when we moved that I started to recognize, okay, that's my brother, but 
he's not my twin like mm-hmm. Delaney is my twin oh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah but uh it but again it like it, we all all three of us had just different bonds with each other right so mm-hmm. like I had a bond with my sister because she's my twin um my sister and I I love my sister we're just so different we're like yeah. the most different people on earth um and I so, remember you even saying that in high school how you were like yeah yeah we're very different <laughs> yep not, but not in a bad way, right? Yeah. She's just, she's definitely just a different person than me, which yeah. I think is really unique because uh, yeah. we're twins. But um, yeah, we all just had different bonds with each other. And, and um, obviously we were, we were siblings that fought, but as you grow older, you, you get over that and yeah. um, start to respect each other. But yeah, so the bond was, it was interesting in the sense that we were twins and everyone had questions about it. Um, she's my sister and it's really unique that we share this birthday and, and we shared a room together, which is mm. very, very unique. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it never really phased me as something um, super, super out there, like super meta that, that it was, it, it was always a fun fact about me, but um, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, it, it just wasn't was what it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Did, are there any fun, like common misconceptions of twins that you would love to share? Sure. Um, <laughs> I will say this one, we get this question a lot, which is, well, you know, I tell, I tell somebody, that I'm just meeting that I'm a twin is a fun fact about me. And mm-hmm. they say, well, is, is your, and I tell it to twin sister. I, I'm, I'm a man. She's a woman. Yeah. And everyone, everyone likes to ask, well, are you guys identical? Um, when it comes to twins, yep. if it's, if, if the sexes of the twins are different, it's the answer is no, it can never yes. be identical yep. twins. Yep. Now, when we were little, when we were babies, yeah, we looked very identical to yeah. the point where actually my mom, uh, would dress me in the pink stuff and, and dress my sister in the blue stuff and everyone bought it. Like everyone oh just goodness. assumed because we looked that, that identical, <laughs> but uh, obviously we're, we're, we're different genders. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, we're not identical. Um, we cannot read each other's minds. We cannot, um, I don't like feel the same thing. Like if I hit you, like, <laughs> right. Right. But, she's yeah, not I don't, feel I can't feel it when she's having some, when she's in either emotional or physical pain, I can't feel that, you yeah, know, that's, yeah, yeah. We don't have any telepathy. How cool would that be, though? <laughs> oh, that'd be wild, man. <laughs> but also kind of invasive. I don't know if I would want that. That's true. <laughs> I, I think it, I think I'm thinking of like if you like felt some like deep that like I don't know like maybe your head was weird like feeling weird and then you'd like be like oh Delaney's in trouble and then you call her <laughs> and she's like, I just had a bad breakup or something like something like that. Yeah, that's never happened before. <laughs> I think it would be so hilarious and. Obviously, there's probably a superhero thing out there that's exactly like that. Probably Wouldn't shock me for a sure. Comic, for sure. yeah, um, yeah, that would be crazy. I know, I know that, like, as far as like, I've seen twins in like um, popular culture or anything like that. They're always like, yeah, we can't, we can't, you know, like read each other's, you know, that thing or feel if you know if I slam my stub my toe, I can't feel it like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny how, like, twins, are, like Zach and Cody, or um, I think the, twi- the, the Sisters on Sister Sister, that TV show in the night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are old, old twins. shows. But yes, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm pulling up the oldies. <laughs> yeah. those, it's just funny how, like, shows like, like twins are, like, even in popular culture. I'm trying to think of another one, but it's escaping me. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, too. I'm I not know. sure. I know. But it's funny how, like sometimes we can upset and even to a certain extent like none of them are twins but like family things like the Jonas Brothers like people are obsessed with like family mm-hmm. uh, groups I guess or like things like things where like 
a family goes out and does something together, which I, is interesting. Absolutely. Um, what was your, I mean, at least from the outside, look, I mean, knowing your family a little bit, like we said, we did theater together in high school, but, um, you know, you guys seem pretty close. I mean, all of you, I didn't really know your younger brother that much because he never did theater with us as far as I know. Right. But were you guys like, have you guys always been pretty tight knit? It was, I mean, like we said, like all families fight, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, which is such a normal thing. And, but yeah, like what were family dynamics like growing up? Did you, was it, I, I well, yeah, I'll ask that first. <laughs> yeah. So um, for the most part, we've always been tight knit. We um, we're all very different and we all, I guess right now, especially we're all, you know, yielding different lives. Uh, mm -hmm. We're all in different cities. Yeah, it's um, growing up, we all had very distinct interests and personalities. Um, so my brother was very into sports. Like he was really, really good at lacrosse actually. Yeah. Um, but my brother and I also both like music. So I played drums and he played guitar and then I picked up the guitar later. And um, so we like, we got to bond that way. That mm -hmm. was our thing. Um, and then being, being young kids and, and having a TV and a, and a PlayStation too. Like my brother, every Saturday we would, we would play video games together. Right. So that was our thing. Um, but he was always the sports. He was always into the sports thing. He's always, you know, watching the new Redskins and Virginia Tech football games. And um, so he had that going for him. And then I did, I started theater in the sixth grade. Um, and then my sister caught on to that as well. And so we, that was our thing. So yeah. like we would, I would go watch my brother play lacrosse at his lacrosse games and then he would come to my sister and me's shows. Um, so that was kind of, it was just different. And I think like, especially for my brother, my brother and my dad were like this, man, they were yeah. tight. Like, because my dad's the sports guy. You know, what's um, so then, crazy Joe is that it's almost the exact same thing with my siblings. My brother played <laughs> lacrosse. My brother and my dad are like really close because they love sports. Yeah. And my sister and I did theater. It's like almost the same thing. That's it's wild, like man. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can definitely relate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so th that's, that's the dynamic and we all, we were just different and, but mm. it was cool because, you know, we all were one family unit and we could all support each other and what we were doing, but like my brother and my dad, like that was their thing. And then like me my mom and my sister, like that was our thing and we could all yeah. go support each other in that. So. Yeah. 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 For sure. I, I wonder if, and of course you can only kind of speak from your own experience. You can't, you can speak for your brother probably a little bit, but sure. um, I wonder how, was it ever hard for him, like having older siblings that were twins and then having, like he was kind of separate from that. Like, was it ever, do you, do you wonder if that was a hard dynamic to grapple with for you guys? Or it was just like, no, that's just what it was. Um, I think uh, he never, we never, I, he never felt kind of left out. He never yeah. felt that, but I, I think more, more on that, less being, you know, not the twin, um, more just because he was doing his sports mm. and we were doing our theater, there was just very much a disconnect, yeah. right? Um, because, you know, at one point I remember my brother telling me this and I felt so bad for him. Um, you know, he was like, Joe, I'm really happy for you that like you have this theater, but like, mm. I just wish that like, I could, I could do, have that interest and have those, all those people watching me play lacrosse that you do, you know, uh, because, you know, when you remember Taylor, when we had those shows that family and friends from all over the place yeah. would come watch these shows because they were such yeah. amazing shows. And so, yeah. um, 
and like we had all, we had all of that right that was our thing uh my brother didn't really have a lot of people going to his lacrosse mm. games i just felt so bad for him i was like mm. what you're doing is is equally as awesome as what i'm yeah. doing i'm sorry brother like i wish so i made a point i really wanted to go to support him in his lacrosse games mm. um because he went to my shows mm-hmm. so i wanted to you know show him that support so it wasn't even that he wasn't a 20 it was just his his interest was just definitely different than than my yeah. sister and me's. So yeah, was there any pressure on you as far as like being an older brother, like being an example, like being and like quote unquote being responsible, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> but like, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily. I always when I always ask, sometimes I ask this question to older siblings. I think the first thing they feel like is like pressure from parents, but I don't even mean that. Like like inward pressure. Did you feel that at all? I actually didn't. I think, uh, yeah. so I know you, that's you a were good the and healthy brother, right? thing. Yeah. That's a good and healthy thing. Uh, yes, I, I'm the youngest. So I have yeah. an older brother and older sister. Gotcha. So yeah. you were the youngest, youngest. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I watched I guess, their mistakes for sure. <laughs> so, but so for me, it was, um, because he, it's only two years, he was only two years younger than me. Right. Like for the most part, we went to the same school. And for two years, like I was in high school and he was in middle school and then he came to high school. And then, uh, so like it was because the, the age was not that spread. Mm. Um, he was more or less my equal. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I was never told by my parents, like, Hey, you need to be an example for your brother. It was more, Hey, look after him. He's your brother. You know, like in the same way that he would tell, they would tell my brother to look after your brother and sister because they're your brother and sister. So because, because it was only two years difference, we, we all just kind of saw each other as, as equals. I never felt pressure to, to, to behave a certain way or set a good example though. I mean, it's good to set a good example. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's good though. That's it. And I think that's, that's healthy. And I'm sure it has to do even with like just the kind of environment your parents set for you guys. Like absolutely just like be there for each other. And, um, I, so your, your mom's a teacher. We've said that. What is your dad? I don't think I know what your dad does or did, or I don't know what he does. Yeah. So my dad, uh, he did almost like 30 years with, uh, he was a claims adjuster. He, I think he did for all state for the first like 10 years. Then he moved to progressive and okay. actually like a month ago, he just retired. I'm so happy for him. Wow. That's great. So, yeah. He just that's retired. Great. And your mom's well still deserved. kicking. Yes, she is. It's so cool, man. <laughs> I see my mom, she's on Facebook all the time and she, uh, she's doing on, she's a teacher. So she's doing online classes. Yep. And I just, my dad will post a photo on Facebook of her like reading a book in front of a screen to her students. And I'm like, that is so cool. Like she's yeah. got it made. So, yeah. so she's still, she loves what she does. And she, you know, she, she talked about retirement a little while ago, but then she was like, no, I need to stay here. Like yeah. I, I love what I do. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm really happy that she's so passionate about that. I could never do her job, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that all, I mean, all of the, the kids are out of the house, I guess it's like, what, I feel like there's a lot of parents that get to this point and be like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> right right even for sure are, even if you are in a career it's like well i come home and then i'm i don't have anyone to <laughs> i don't have anyone yeah. to parent <laughs> that's right yeah. my parents uh, got the dog they got a little dog um, yeah yeah, uh, yeah so that they're, they're, they're occupied and my parents are very different people but they do make time for each other which is yeah. great uh they that's found cool. a good balance they have a marriage to definitely look up to in my own marriage no doubt that's great that's amazing mm-hmm. um for I wonder too with I've talked to a lot of different I've talked to a couple educators but also children of educators 
but um was education because your mom was a teacher like it was pretty like important in your household absolutely um for sure I will be the first person to say that I struggled a lot when I was in uh, elementary, middle school, and high school. Yeah. Uh, I just, <clears throat> I don't think I had any, any learning disabilities or anything, but I just, I would have a hard time grasping the material. Mm. And so having a mom that's a teacher was very, very helpful. Yeah. Um, and, and especially when it comes to math, like, cause my mom's, oh, I hate math. She's, she's, yeah, me too. It's so <laughs> ironic, man. My mom is a math teacher and I like, yeah. I was the worst in math. I can't stand math. I get that it's important, but dude, yeah. I, I struggled so hard. So Did you ever like have your mom as a teacher, like at, a, at no. your school? Okay. No, she, um, so she's a, what's called a title one math specialist. And she, she, um, she works in the, in the East, the East end of Richmond, okay. um, with, uh, predominantly, uh, poor students. So yeah. she, she actually has a very unique position in that she can, um, kind of help, uh, shed good light on on education and really help these these people that that came from unfortunate circumstances. She's able to help them uh, with their education. Actually, it's so cool. The school that it's a Title One school, so like the students there um, actually eat two meals there. They eat their yep. breakfast and lunch mm-hmm. there. So, yep. um, and that comes with challenges that yep. my mom has talked about extensively with with myself and my family. And um, but like she tells me about the stories about like you know there was this troublemaker child that was that was always getting into trouble and he was always frustrating and but then he he got out of element he grew up and got to middle school and like gave my mom a hug when he left and like in tears because like my mom was very hard on him like really pushed him and really reprimanded yeah. him when he made mistakes but the the the, the child understood that, that that was good and like saw mm. my mother as kind of another mother figure so mm. um seeing and, and that happens all the time when my mom works. Yeah. so it's it's really cool to hear that. Like that's a direct impact she's making. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. I just often wonder, like, I mean, my mom was a teacher for a long time and then she homeschooled us. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you knew I was homeschooled, but yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, uh, that was a, you know, different dynamic too, but, um, and then she's gone back to work since us kind of all growing up and leaving, um and coming back home and then leaving again (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) which some of us did um but i i just i wonder you know i'm sure there are some teachers that have children that are super hard on them and you know i feel i've i've said on this show before how like education or grades or whatever can kids can put so much pressure on themselves absolutely succeed and like what is success really like do we even really know what it is like a great question man (laughs) so i but did you feel any of that even like as i mean even struggle i mean i struggled in school too and i felt pressure for grades a little bit but like it was never like that much of a way and maybe it should have been (laughs) but did you feel any of that at all not really actually um that's great i use it yeah for sure having a mom that's a teacher and having you know an educator you know raising you it kind of reminds me of you know my uncle is a dentist Mm -hmm. and i always ask my cousins i like to ask my cousins like does your dad like get on you about brushing your teeth all the time and they say no not at all they're like no he doesn't at all so Mm -hmm. um it's kind of one of those things where like, yeah. I think my mom, my mom sees, yes, education is important. She does it for a living and, and she's very passionate about it. And she wants what's best for her kids in the education mm-hmm. sphere. 
But like, I think she wants to disconnect herself when she's at home with her kids and not push them so hard. Though when I needed to be pushed, I was pushed, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, she did, I think my mom did a very good job at like, she deals with education as, as her profession and she's very passionate about it and very good at it. Uh, but I never felt like with her, she was like unnecessarily pushy mm-hmm. on making sure my grades are like straight A's all the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, kind of how, how it worked in my household. And this is a very big blessing is my parents very much trusted us. Uh, they basically yeah. said, listen, you, if you go to school, you do your homework, you study, you get decent grades, like you can, you can do this community theater. You can mm-hmm. do this lacrosse. Like you can go hang mm-hmm. out with friends on Saturday nights, right? Like mm-hmm. we trust you. Right. Yeah. And they, they always said, like, if you if you fall, if you find yourself in something, if you made a mistake or you have any trouble or anything, you call us, we'll come get you and we'll deal with it. Right. Yeah. So that was a very, very healthy, I think, household. I will say there are risks involved with that. But because <laughs> my parents trusted me, I trusted them. Yeah. Right? And I never felt like I couldn't come to my parents when I needed something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt I, I still feel that same way today. Like, yeah. Um, and I think that was a very healthy environment for me to grow up in yeah it's it's something that we kind of all aspire to don't isn't it of like absolutely when we have have children it's like i want them to and maybe they won't come to us for everything but it's like you know that's the the hope is that you can't you know provide that environment for it absolutely for and and you learn you know what I, I at least I say all the time, like I'll I learn from my parents of what they did and what they didn't do well, and then I'll just kind of take that in. Absolutely, hundred percent, man. Take all of that and take it on what I can use on my children. For sure. Um, do you think about that a lot? About like now that you're married, of like whenever you guys do have kids, or even if you want to have kids, like how much, how you know those things of like what your parents did and how you want to kind of pass it on. Absolutely. So a big thing that my wife and I did before we got married was we did premarital counseling. Um, mm-hmm. And in that, there was a giant section of that devoted to kids. Yeah. So my wife and I do want to have kids one day. Um, now, the timing of that, it might be a while before we're ready for that. But, <laughs> yep. um, but we do want to have kids one day. But there's, there's giant conversations about, okay, so like, Joe, you were raised this way. This is how your parents raised you. Nothing inherently wrong with it, yeah. but understand now you're going in with that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then my wife, she was told the same thing. Like, hey, your parents raised you this way. Understand that like, that's, that's where you're coming from. That's perspective. So what you need to do, both of you, is talk about, think about, pray about when, if and when the Lord blesses you with children, how you want to raise them. What from your life, Joe, do you want to incorporate? What from your life, Val, do you want to incorporate? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there were giant conversations about that. And like, we spent hours and hours talking about yeah. what it looks like. Yeah, because um, I do. I, not every couple is called to have children, but I do think a big component of Christian marriage specifically is children. And so yeah. that was something we had a lot of intentionality with mm. to make sure that we're getting we're on the right track with and that we can reconcile where we both came from. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think if I could categorize you in high school, if I may. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> it's just people were always like, Joe is such a nice guy. Like that's just like kind of, and I and I truly mean that in the best like sense of For sure, phrase. man. For sure. I like, appreciate it. Everyone that. was like, Joe is so nice. Like I it's just so it like every time I talk to him, it's just like, Wow, I I feel like very um rep like appreciated, which is really cool. Um, so you have a great gift in that, just so you know. 
I really appreciate you saying that, man. I, I can't take the credit for that though. But thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Was that did you did you feel that from people that people were always like, Joe's so nice, like like and that you can't like mess up or anything? Like <laughs> I don't well, know Jeff. because you hung around I mean you were kind of in the that group of guys in high school and there was a lot of like different types of personalities personalities oh yeah oh yeah, yeah there were I, and I know you know what group I'm talking about so, I do yeah. <laughs> so I mean there's a lot going on and not that I mean they're all great guys all of them but um I mean I'm sure I just wonder if like you ever felt any of that um growing up and like having dynamics with different people that are different. I mean, you just learn, you're kind of learning, even when you get to college, you learn how to interact with people that are so different from you. But that group in particular in high school, I'm sure you had kind of a slice of what that was like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say even, even today. Um, well, like, working. Yeah. Even in a work yeah. environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think in life, right. Like yeah. coming from, coming from high school to going into college to going into the workforce and getting married and, and all of that contributes for sure. I think um, I would say uh, I was very well, I knew that people saw me that way. And that yeah. was something that I, um, for lack of a better term, um, took pride in. Like I wanted yeah. to, to make people feel comfortable to talk to me. And, and I saw that going into college um, that uh, I think it, when the Bible talks about, men being blameless in character, right? Like that's something that I aspire to, um, mm. still aspire to today. And, and yeah. I think reputation is, is a big deal. I think we need to, I'm trying to always ride the line between, am I being fake for the mm. sake of getting someone's approval or am I, am I rightfully caring and loving this person biblically? Right. Um, yeah. So I'm always struggling with that balance because I don't want everything I do to just be for approval. Um, now right. I will say like the profession I chose and even in some senses, being a believer in Christ, I think those things inherently um, incite conflict. And so I think um, what I like to do is kind of bridge this, this desire to be a loving, caring, like you said, nice guy. Yeah. Um, and show people that like Christians don't have to be these, these stern, stuck up people. Police officers also don't have to be these stern, stuck up people because I think yeah. both of them um, see a lot of conflict. And so I, I, I like to be able to, one of the biggest compliments I get, I could, I could ever get is when I, you know, I'm meeting someone for the first time, like sitting on an airplane, talking to somebody that's next to me. And we have this 15, 20 minute conversation about whatever, about life, about yeah. anything. And it just kind of comes up that I'm a police officer and their, their response is, Whoa, I would never have expected that. Yeah. Um, for me, that is a giant compliment because Obviously, you know, there are a lot of variety of opinions of police officers, but I mean, dude, I'll be honest with you, whenever I'm like driving and I'm in my own jurisdiction in my personal vehicle mm -hmm. and I see a police officer that I work with, I'm always like, oh, don't want to get pulled over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like a healthy reverence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Even, even with my coworker, because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a police officer, but still like there's a reverence there. So, and I think a lot of people do become more and more afraid of the police because of what the media is showing about us. Um, some mm. of it's warranted, some of it's not. But I think in general, I like to bridge that gap and show people, whoa, that guy's a cop? Like, did yeah. not expect that. You know, that's yeah. something that I really try hard for. So Yeah, that's so cool that you thought there's that kind of self-awareness of that, of like, I know I'm going into this profession that does have for lack of better words, like misconceptions mm -hmm. and like you can, yeah, be a different type of light in that environment for other people and for the people around you too. Absolutely. Um, 
that's really cool. Uh, I want to talk about your faith. You, we've definitely kind of definitely touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. but when for you did, I mean, I'm a Christian too. So, and we've talked to a lot of different people on this show. Um, but when for you did like faith really become real? Because obviously we grew up in Christian environment. I mean, certain, you know, we went, did Christian theater group. We did, I went, I mean, we, I went to church. I'm sure your family did, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was, it, when did, but you know, there's all of like that stuff of like growing up in the church and then there's like, okay, but when does it actually become mine? And like yeah. a relationship with God, like that's my, for sure. myself. And yeah. So like, when did that become kind of realized for you? Yeah, so it actually was at age eighteen, um, right when I got to college was actually when it mm. when it when it hit. So I would say predominantly throughout high school, um, the theater organization we we came from was fantastic. It, yeah. it shaped my identity. It gave me confidence. It it kind of I, I incorporate all of that theater today, right? Yeah. Like when I'm going to a call for service and it, they need an officer presence, someone that's squared away is going to lay down the law and, and be not harsh, but, but do the job. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's something that I'm not an alpha guy. Like I'm not an alpha male guy. Yeah. I'm very mellow, very, mm-hmm. I try to be as down to earth as I can, but I have to put that facade on. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's the theater in me. I'm acting when I'm mm-hmm. being a police officer. Yeah. Um, but so th- I'm tying that in for a reason, trust me. Um, so we have, <laughs> we have, um, this amazing theater organization that has Christian roots. Like they're, we're always talking about something in the Bible. We're always talking about biblical themes throughout the stories we're telling on stage. Right. Um, we're always praying. We're always kind of talking about the gospel. And I think, I mean, that, that was an amazing environment for me to grow up. And I think just mm-hmm. practically, right. I think it's good for, especially children yeah. to be exposed to um, biblical virtues. Right. I think that's practically, that's good. I would say I was a nominal Christian. Like I would tell, if someone asked me in a survey, like what religion do you identify with? I would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the implications of that were not made clear to me. Like not mm-hmm. the Christian theater organization's fault, mm-hmm. but I, I was just not resonating with the implications of being a Christian. And so um, I always considered myself kind of just like this morally good person. Like I never thought that there was anything inherently wrong with me. I just kind of, rolled with well like i'm an, i'm a pretty good guy like i'm yeah. pretty respected like yeah i'm a christian right and there wasn't really any thought to it mm. um now i i moved to college and i have these big expectations of life i think you know um i'm going to i'm going to join these clubs maybe join that fraternity maybe you know and i i kind of had a wow i'm free let's be a hedonist kind of mindset. yeah 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 um, and not not necessarily in like a terribly sinful way but just Hey, I can do whatever I want now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, Which I feel like is a lot of people have that. <laughs> for sure. I mean, that's a. I think that's a big element of college in America yeah, today. Yeah. Um, now I go into that, and I'm introduced to a few people um, throughout. You know, people I live with, and people in another club called Inner Varsity Christian Fellowship. And um, I'm introduced to these people, and there's just something about these people that I'm just like, there's something so unique about them. Mm. Like I just can't put my finger on it. Like something about these people just stands out. Mm. Um, and because I was a nominal Christian, I decided to just go to one of the Bible studies because these are cool guys, right? Yeah. Uh, I went to a small group Bible study with a bunch of guys that were all college age. A few of them were seniors about to graduate. And, you know, this, this little college freshman just wants to get, get, get plugged into something. <laughs> so I show up and um, I leave this Bible study 
and it was about January of 2015. Um, I leave this Bible study and I just feel this really uncomfortable feeling and I can't put my finger on it. It's very inexplicable, but I remember going to my dorm and just kind of all of this like hedonistic, like I can do whatever I want. Just kind of, I felt the weight of guilt for, for feeling that way. And I felt shift in desires. And I, I decided to explore that. I sat down with one of the guys that I was in the Bible study with. And yeah, I came to the realization that um, something supernatural has happened to me. Like I feel a sudden shift in desires. I feel this overwhelming burden of, of guilt. But at the same time, I realized, but I don't feel guilty. Like I feel the burden of the guilt, but I don't feel guilty. How does that make any sense? Mm. Right. And I contemplated and I wrestled and I came to the realization that um, Christ himself, the God man uh, that lived 2000 years ago, died a death that I deserve and was raised on the third day, actually came to me mm. and uh, scooped me up out of where I was and made him his. Right. Um, and it was, transcend it, it, it was a it was a giant change from from what i understood christianity to be so now like there's no nominal christianity for me it's like a mm. i actually understand like what it means for me to be a christian right to live in godliness but know that i've been saved already know yeah. that christ actually took the punishment for my sin and guilt onto himself two thousand years ago and i can be in right relationship with him simply through faith and that faith's a gift mm. um and so you know it as, as Christians, I think uh, we want to make big distinctions between what we're, what it means to be a Christian. Um, because I, I think for me growing up, while I was in a great environment, um, right. I didn't actually understand the gospel, the good news yeah. of Christ. Um, I was living pretty morally, but once, once I became a Christian, I realized all of those good works are filthy rags compared to Christ's works on the cross. Christ's, work, Christ's death on the cross and Christ's work in his life merited to me and credited to, credited to me through faith. So um, that was a monumental shift mm. that, um, you know, it's just so unique that most people, when they go to college, they find this time to be free and do whatever they want and have no consequences. I get to college and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, <laughs> like I, I need to be living for Christ now. Like, yeah. like Christ, Christ has taken me, scooped me up and made me his, made his, made, yeah, made me his. And I've got to live for him now. Like this is, this yeah. is my calling. Like Christ, Christ saved me. Like, let me live for him. So, um, very unique in the sense that yeah. most people don't have that story, but, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my kind of come to, to come to know the Lord and savior. Yeah. Um, age, age 18. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, and yeah, like you said, a very specific story. I mean, you can only tell your own story. So <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. what I, I, I love that. I love hearing, um, different cause everyone, yeah, every, everyone's story is so different, especially when it comes to, their spirituality like everyone's so it's so unique and so specific um i want to ask you about was there like any through line even in high school up until up to college of like what you did want to do with your life yes um did you always is, want to be a police officer or was it something different start so weirdly enough um if you'd asked me at age 17 what i want to do with my life i would have told you man i have no idea i'm just gonna go yeah, to college yeah, yeah. get a degree and, and see what i can do um when i became a christian when i came to know the gospel um was when i really took seriously that question of okay now that i'm a christian and i know where my identity and hope is now what 
Yeah. And I started to investigate. I started to look at other jobs, you know, being a freshman in college, trying to plan out my life because now I have this new identity and I want to live for him. Well, um, law enforcement was something that I went to a seminar, like I went to a career seminar, like they did a career fair. um, And I saw some members of local departments. I saw some members of federal, federal agencies. And I talked to all of them and I realized, oh my goodness, like what better way to, to, to actually be salt and light to the world than be in this very, very difficult, challenging and somewhat controversial profession. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and so there's a few elements to that one. Uh, well, I would say generally speaking, this desire to be a police officer came like about the time that I became a Christian and that's something I couldn't ignore. Yeah. Um, like I think there's a few elements to it. Number one, um, as a Christian, I believe that, um, God is right. He, he says to, he says to the Israelites, I am right. He says yeah. to Moses, I am right. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is he is the standard of all being. He is the standard of all justice. He's the standard of all goodness, right? right? He's the, he is the, he's the standard of perfection, all standard of morality. Right. And so uh, what we have right now is a sovereign God in control of all things who creates the universe mm-hmm. and creates his laws for human flourishing because he knows what's best for us and for his glory, right? right? Justice is not something he's bound by. Justice is him, right? He actually is the standard of justice. And so we look at things like justice today, right? Mm-hmm. We look at um, some of these, uh, this idea of we want justice, right? What does justice right. mean, right? We kind of alluded to, to some big questions earlier that I was excited to talk about. Yeah. Justice comes from God, right? Whether, whether you're a Christian or not, I know you're, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about yeah people listening, whether you're a Christian or not, you have to understand that justice itself, when you, when you say, I want justice for this person, I want justice for this, I want justice for that, you are appealing to a standard of justice that exists outside of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're appealing to a standard of justice that comes from the creator, right? So justice itself is actually executed on earth, right? Romans 13 talks about how justice comes from God and God alone, right? Yeah. And in order to institute justice on earth, God creates civil authorities. A second thing I see is um, John 15, 13, which says, um, greater love has no, no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, right? Mm. What better way to show love than to lay down my life for friends, but also people I don't know, mm. right? Every call for service, whatever the problem is that needs solving. I mean, someone has called the police, called 911 because they have seen no solution to their problem. It could right. be that something as petty as, well, someone threw trash in my yard. It could be as petty as my neighbor's dog won't stop barking and it's late and I'm trying to sleep. It could be as monumental as I have been victimized, right? I have, I have had some heinous crime done to me and right. I'm seeking my own, I want justice done for myself. So I'm going to call 911, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those situations that police officers are put in, they are actually laying down their lives for, for other yeah. people. Um, yeah. if, if not, you know, physically, um, emotionally. I mean, this job takes, yeah. a, it takes a toll on, on us. So mm-hmm. I think there's some virtue, biblical virtue in being a police officer where we're laying down our lives for people that, that we don't know. Um, yeah. And I think that's really virtuous. Now, does that mean like every police officer has that view in mind? No, of course not. Right. Is, is it true that there are some police officers that just want to wear the uniform, put the gun on, have a badge, drive a cool police car and, and look flashy? Sure. Yeah, they, they exist out there. And, 
Yeah. And, and a lot of criticism I've gotten kind of when talking with other Christians is maybe I'm idealizing the job. Maybe, mm. yeah, like that's how God designed it. And maybe that's how you're doing it. But like, are you going to tell me that everyone does it that way? Absolutely not. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. But I think like having at least one person to anyone listening to this podcast, if you can hear one person that's a police officer with that view in mind, you can at least say to yourself, there's one person, one police officer out there who actually has that in mind. Um, yeah. And so it's a very unique position to be in trying to bridge um, this idea of being in Christ, following Christ, and being a police officer and how those things are actually compatible with each other. That's yeah. a long answer to a, to a short question. <laughs> no, I love it. I think it's so fascinating. Um, I want to ask you about like training. Like mm-hmm. what is, I think a lot of people, especially during this time, are kind of conf- not confused, well, confused and also just like curious about like what it means to train to be a police officer sure. and what it looks like for you. Um, for, and I, I'm curious on what it looks like for you. I, 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 from what I know is that each kind of district or, or precinct, I guess it, it can look different. Sure. Uh, but what was that like? What was kind of like the training in order to become one? What did that look like? Yeah. So, um, you start off in a six-month police academy where you're learning case law. You, there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, paperwork. There's a lot of, lot of uh, PowerPoint presentations, lots of tests, like written tests about, yeah. about your knowledge. Um, but it, it, it focuses heavy on um, case laws, Fourth Amendment, and uh, use of force. Just kind of before you even go do anything hands-on, you learn those things in a classroom. Yeah. And it was very extensive. I mean, the testing is very extensive. So how it works where I, the academy that I went through is um, you're, you're given this class on the material, you got to study at home. Mm-hmm. And then after the, after that portion of the, of the training is done over, over the PowerPoints, you go in and you take a test, a written test. Mm-hmm. You have three chances to take this test and you have to get a hundred percent. If you don't get a hundred percent after your third chance, you're kicked out. Um, and so it's not, yeah, it was pretty stressful, man. Yeah. I would not go through it again. It was awful, um, <laughs> but it was a means to an end. It was necessary. Yeah. Um, so that's before you even touch any, any tools. That's before like you, you start firearms training, driving training, use of force training. Like that's before any of that. Right. So you have a knowledge understanding of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that was probably the most stressful part of the Academy. That's like the first like two or three months was mm-hmm. just lots of testing and like, you would see my, I had, I think we started off with 24 class, the class of 24. We graduated, I think 16. Wow. So we lost eight people in the Mississippi yeah. training. And most of them, most of them were unable to test that test in to keep their mm-hmm. tests and get a hundred on the test. So it was stressful, uh, but it was necessary. So a lot of this, this idea that we kind of just go in and we don't really learn anything. That's yeah. <laughs> definitely not true. It was stressful. Um, yeah. And anybody that is listening, that's done the military or done the police, uh, you know what it's like to go through that in the midst of, you know, um, kind of a modified boot camp. I, I'm not going to say what I went through was anything like <laughs> boot camp, but yeah. there's lots of yelling, lots of, lots of push-ups, lots of, <laughs> lots of staying at attention, lots of, you know, knees locking, you want to pass mm-hmm. out. So um, we, we're very disciplined in, in how we train. And, and the department I work for is very, we have our own training academy versus having to go to a regional training academy and then get hired by a department nearby. Mm-hmm. We have a, a training academy specific for our city our jurisdiction. So, so you do that, you do about two, three months of, of written training, and then you get into the fun stuff, which is firearms training, use of force training, driving training, defensive mm-hmm. tactics training. Um, and so in that training, 
we are put through some very stressful situations where yeah. we are, there's shoot, no shoot. There's, there's driving scenarios where you've got to run this course. We did a mock vehicle pursuit, which vehicle pursuits are very stressful and very dangerous. So yeah. we, we kind of went through this very extensive, very uh, stressful police training. I mean, mm. dude, I'll be honest with you. Like, <laughs> there were nights where like I really didn't sleep much and it was hard to eat because I was so nervous for the next day. Right. Ugh. It was, it was very stressful. Yeah. Um, but I think like looking back on it, I'm glad I went through all of that. So I, so I'm more mm. equipped. Um, so you do that, you go through a lot of scenarios, a lot of use of force scenarios that, I mean, if you, if you mess up this use of force scenario, like you can, you can get kicked out. So it was right. a lot, a lot of extensive yep. training. Um, and it's no joke. Like you, you have to know what you're doing and you have to show the instructors that, that you have competence and can make good decisions under stress. Yeah. Um, stress is a thing I'll talk about in a second, but <laughs> after that, you graduate from the Academy, you get sworn in, you get your uniform, your family members are there. And I'll never forget this man. My, my mom, <laughs> I love my mom so much. Yeah. <laughs> after, after the, she pins the badge on me cause your family members pin your badge on. Mm -hmm. She looks at me and she says, Joe, I love you so much. You look like a little boy playing dress up <laughs> on my graduation day. Uh, she also said the oh, same man. thing on my wedding day too. So I love her so much. She, uh, <laughs> and I'll never forget that. So one of my fondest memories from that day of, of one of the two big days, my wedding day and my graduation day. But mm. after you graduate, you're put through what's called field training, which is you roll around with a certified field training officer, another police officer that special, I went through a specialized school to actually train other police officers to be police officers. Uh, so we're, we do, you go through, I went through about three, four months of field training where like you, you're always with another officer who's looking yeah. over you, sh you're shadowing them in the beginning, but then like there came a point where you have to you learn know, by I, doing, <laughs> right. So I, I, I do about two months and, and, and then there came the third month and my field training officer said, Hey man, these are the keys. Go do your job. Go protect my city. Mm. I'm in the passenger seat with you. If you need any help, uh, let me know. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I'll be your backup go do your job. And I was like a really like, you're trusting me to like do this. And it was very crazy. And going to that first call where he's just standing next to me, I'm doing all the work was very, Oh my goodness. Like what have I yeah. got myself into? Yeah. Um, and then, so you have to meet certain qualifications. You have to see certain things. So you have to be able to make basic narcotics arrests, make a basic uh, DUI arrest. You have to hopefully see a major crime scene, be able to handle yourself on a major crime. Um, and so you, you have just this giant book of mm. just like, you have to do this, show me you can do this, show me you can do that. And dude, it, it's, it's a long, long book. And most of the yeah. time you're, you're, you're talking with your FTO, we call them FTO field training officer. You're talking with the FTO, trying to show your FTO, you know what you're doing. Um, and it, it was, it was extensive, man. Like it's, yeah. it, again, it's no joke. Like people think that when they graduate their academy, they're good. Like, no, man. Yeah. Like there were people in my academy that didn't make it through field training because they were unable to show their FTO that they knew what mm -hmm. they were doing. Um, and so you have to be able to show that you're, you're competent enough to do the job. After that, you sit down with our precinct captain and the captain, my captain, great guy. Uh, he actually just retired, but he basically told me that, listen, this is what you're getting yourself into. And I'll never forget this. He was like, no matter what your family comes before this job which is a very unique thing to hear uh, yeah. from when I'm get, you know, getting my getting released from field training, sitting down with the captain, him telling me my family's more important than the job. I'm like, Whoa. So this guy cares about me personally, not just my performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, then you're put on what's called a probationary period. You go through an 18 month probation from the date of your hire, 18 months after you do 
what's called a probationary period where you can be fired for anything. So that's a super long probationary period. It is. Well, is it- well, the, this is a serious job and <laughs> yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. make sure that, that the right people are doing it. So if you make any, any small mistake, you can be called into the office and okay, like you're, you're done. Um, yeah. Which again was stressful, but what's there's a, also, what's a small mistake. <laughs> can, um, I, so, is it, can you give me an example? Yeah. So a big, a big thing that we run into is um, we get a lot of complaints. We get the chief's office gets hundreds of complaints probably every week. <laughs> right, I mean, right. there's always somebody that wants to complain about an officer's demeanor or, or something that an officer didn't do or did do. Mm-hmm. Um, I never personally got pulled into the office and told that I made a mistake. Um, yeah. Usually, usually the mistakes that we make are all administrative. Like we didn't do this report right or, the prosecuting attorney wanted something else from us and it's not really a big deal. A big mistake. I would, I would say like any mistake worthy of getting you fired on probation is something where you violate someone's rights. Right. Or you use very unreasonable and unjustified force, right? Mm -hmm. Something where, where that happens. And a big thing with police work is, is response under stress, which is something I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, when you're under stress, and a lot of people don't know this because a lot of people aren't regularly put under, like there's one thing that like come home after a long day, you're really stressed, you've got bills to pay and your dog's barking and you know, whatever, right? That's <laughs> stress in the sense yep. of, okay, but that's different than, okay, you're under, you know, most extreme example, someone's shooting at you, right? How do you right. respond to that, right? right. That's, that's a lot different. So yes, there's like, I'm at home and life's overwhelming stress, but there's also like, you're put into some really tough, tough scenarios where you've got to respond mm-hmm. accordingly. So, and borderline uh, like traumatic too, it can be absolutely. for sure. And especially in those situations, our brain, you know, there's the flight fight or flight thing. There's the, yep. there's yep. the, and for me, it's definitely flight, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm just like, so aware about, like, for instance, my wife and I went and saw this show in DC and in the middle of act two, this guy, this drunk guy stands up and walks on stage, like jumps on the stage and, and like a bunch of people from his section were leaving. And I saw it. I don't know how many people actually saw it, but I saw it cause I was just aware, I guess. And I was like, we're leaving. <laughs> My wife was like, where are we going? And I was like, there's a guy on the stage. And she was like, what? And I was like, we're going. So we left. We didn't finish the show. I was like, listen, if something's going down, like I want to be, I don't want to be here. <laughs> totally reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't either. yeah. So yeah. I'm sure there's, I'm definitely, I, I'm almost positive. There's, there's that aspect too of like, if you are a flight person, like trying to get over that. Absolutely. I, I will say that before I became a police officer, I was a flight person. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. want to, I'm not running towards the, the problem or the danger. I'm trying to go away from it. And, now I'm being told as a police officer, okay, there's a problem, go towards it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I was, and I still think I am a flight person, but I have to <laughs> really put that on, like to, to mm-hmm. get out and, and do mm-hmm. it. So um, under stress, people, people have a lot of misconceptions about use of force, um, but like most use of forces, the police officer that's using the force, whether justified or not, is under a lot of stress. Like, when you're under stress and you've got to make a split second decision with limited information mm-hmm. and rapidly evolving circumstances, right? Your, your reasoning faculties are hampered, right? You're not thinking clearly. We get what's called tunnel vision where like you're so fixated on the problem that everything else around you just gets blocked out and that's not healthy. That's not safe. 
but also your fine motor skills. You know, how right. you, you know, the most, you know, for example, we, my firearm is on my right hip. My taser is on my left hip. There's a reason for that. Because if I'm under stress, I need to instinctively grab the right tool, right? I don't want to grab my firearm when I should grab my taser. I don't want to grab my taser when I, when I need to grab my firearm. When you're under stress, people, I want people to see firsthand, you know, watching the show Cops, which unfortunately got canceled, is not going to, or uh, what is it? Life PD. Mm. That's not, that's not enough, right? I, right. I think to understand truly the situations we're put in, you should probably either go through some modified citizens Academy, which my department has go through a police Academy yourself or do a ride along because under stress, man, people, people don't, no matter how much training you get. I mean, they're very experienced, like 20, 20 year police officers that are on the SWAT team that I work with that have found themselves in a tough spot and they did not respond well because under stress, you, everything gets thrown out the window and people, people see that, you know, the police officers are put in these situations. They should have done this better. Sure. You, you might be right, but you have to also understand that they're under stress. Right. And we, we want to make, I want to make good faith decisions. Um, I want to be sure that I'm, I'm following the state code, staying with, staying within my department's policy, but above all things, I want to act in good faith. Um, and when we act in good faith and we make the wrong decision because we're under stress, um, yes, the, the mistake should be corrected, but I also hope that we can find people can have grace and understanding with us because when we're acting in good faith, I think we need to be um, praised, even if we make a small mistake. Big mistakes, maybe not, but small mistakes, I think there should be grace. But anyways, that's, again, a yeah. long answer to the training question. But yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. so much that goes into it that um, I want people to hear and be, have more transparency. I want to be transparent with people about, mm -hmm. about what training looks like. So Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I'm not sure if this, if you already answered this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. It's like what, and you can answer this however you would like, of course. Sure. But yeah. what do you think is like the biggest misconception about your job? Wow, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I love, by the way, I love these questions you're asking. I, I think yeah. the, the way we're going to be able to bridge this gap that, that people have with law enforcement, mm -hmm. I think is going to happen with these, these honest conversations. Yeah. So I, I really do appreciate you asking that mm -hmm. question. Um, so I would say, oh man, there's a few things. Um, people think that when they see a uniform, that automatically someone's in trouble. Uh, people think that when they see a uniform that um, the person in the uniform is out to get out to get them right that um, people th people have this idea that we're just kind of these robots mm -hmm. that don't have uh, we're just kind of just following orders and, and we're just mindless robots that just do what we're told um, but like we're people right and I, I think like almost every single person I work with has a family at home they want to come home to Right. Mm. And most of the time, I'm not saying every time, but most of the time we're just doing a job. We're just doing our job. Right. So like if we're told to go to this location to investigate a suspicious vehicle, then we're, we have to go. Right? right. And how the person in the vehicle feels about me interacting with them. I get that there might be some, you know, oh, I don't want, I don't want the police talking to me, but you have to understand that like we're doing our job, right? It's the citizen that called me that I'm serving right now. Mm -hmm. Not, not myself. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for someone else. So right. um, I, I think 
this idea that the police are always out to get you, that um, we're not human, we're just kind of robots that, that mindlessly do whatever. And we, you know, people, I would say, um, when you see a police officer, no matter what he's doing, if he's on his lunch break, if he's arresting somebody, if he's on a traffic stop, mm-hmm. just because he's a police officer does not mean he's out to get you, right? There's a risk involved with the discomfort. Like I said before, I'm driving down the street. I see one of my coworkers sitting at a light. I'm always like, okay, make sure I'm driving right. Don't yep, want to put over. Yep. He's my coworker. He's my friend. Like I, yeah. I, I work with that guy, but there's a healthy reverence. And I think at the risk of people being afraid of us, which they are, I know, um, that is what it, that's the risk that we have to take mm-hmm. for people to be protected. Um, this healthy reverence or even fear that you have for the police, no matter why, mm. is, is, is the risk that we have to take. But the thing is, there are people like me trying to bridge that gap. Mm. But like, I'm only one guy, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm only one cop. So um, the chief that I work under does a really good job of that. He, he makes a point to go out in the community and, and interact. Um, and I really respect him for that. And mm. he's taken a lot of heat that like we should be taking, but he takes it for us. Yeah. I think it's a very Christ-like way to do it. Like when, um, when the, when the, all the riots and protests and, and the, the incidents happened, um, like a few months, several months ago, mm. my chief went to another jurisdiction, stood there and took questions, took people's insults, took people's hatred. He stood and he had this circle of people angry. And he just kind of took, you know, tried to answer questions, tried to be patient and just took whatever heat, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that should have been, like, I should be the one taking that. Like, yeah. he's not even, I mean, he wears the uniform and he represents us, but he's not the one, you know, actively answering calls for service. Right. Yet he is going to put himself in front of this angry mob of people and answer their questions and, and try, to, try to be transparent with them so that his officers don't have to, right? That mm-hmm. to me is a very Christ-like leadership. That, mm-hmm. that's, that's seriously, like, I have so much respect for him for doing yeah. that. Um, but I think the police are people that, that really desperately, most of us desperately want to serve our communities, Mm. protect people, right. At the risk of you having whatever opinion you have about the police, not you, but people listening, right. Right. Know that we are trying to do our job faithfully. Most of us try and do our job faithfully. And if you find yourself in an encounter with us, just do what we say. Right. We're, we're out trying to serve our communities at the risk of some people not liking us. That's okay with me because as a fabric of society, we need the police. Mm-hmm. We need to have them as a fabric of society. And, and that vision that I have is, is what keeps me doing it because I'll tell you what, man, like, I don't know if we're going to get into it today, but there are a lot of crazy stories I could tell you. Lots of interesting people that we deal with every day. It's just another day of work for me. Yeah. Um, every time I have a ride along, I just have someone riding along with me, some either a stranger or a friend. Mm-hmm. We always end the shift and they're just like, man, I don't know how you do this every day. Like yeah. you guys are not paid enough for what you have to put up with. Um, which mm-hmm. if we were doing it for the money, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a bigger vision here. Um, yeah. that I, I have to keep reminding myself when I'm finding myself not wanting to do something or mm-hmm. not wanting to deal with a certain problem. Um, but yeah, I'm giving you a lot of long answers to short questions. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. I always tell guests that rambling is podcasting is made for rambling. So I, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so last, I, one more question about your job. Yeah. Um, you've been, I didn't know how long you'd been. So you've really been working in the field for like two years, like over two years. Yep. 
So yeah. I, I was hired in May of 2018. I, my first day on patrol was December of 2019. Mm-hmm. So December of 2021 will be two years. Yeah. Okay. So what would you tell like first day Joe versus like, what would you tell yourself then versus what you've learned now? Like what of what you've learned now? Like first day on the, on the streets, like first day is uh, doing my job. Like yeah, that. Or I mean, so was May 2018, was that like police Academy or was that? That was hired it with the city. I did like a little bit of like kind of like an internship for a little while as a pre-hire recruit. Mm-hmm. And then in July of 2018 was day one of the Academy. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. I mean, well, even I guess like first day, um, with your field officer. I mean, I'm sure that was yeah. even a thing. So maybe like first day of that versus like what you've learned like now. Yeah. Good question. Um, when you first start this job and there's a lot of stereotypes that go in with kind of the, the phases of being a cop, but um, you have a very uh, limited understanding of the job, but a very idealistic understanding of the job. What I mean by that is, Day one on the streets, I got my uniform on. I was so excited. I wanted to be seen by everybody in uniform. I wanted to make a difference in the community. And I wanted to, like, I really had an idealized version of of the job. Um, And the more you do the job, the more you come to realize, and hopefully this doesn't uh, dissuade people (laughs) from joining this profession, but but at the expense of, of being honest about it, I do think this is necessary. People, like, first first day recruit like first day police officers that are so excited be excited you know joe on this first day of patrol be excited like (laughs) you're about to enter a very challenging but rewarding profession however understand that in some ways your job is to deal with the problems that nobody else wants to deal with Mm -hmm. um and that 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 sounds like a really like i can't believe you just said that but like if if i'm being 100 percent honest about the job right you're not, this is not an over-glorified job that uh, the movies make it out to be, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not always responding to these high-level incidents where, like, you're catching serial killers. Like, that's not, your, right. that's not what we do. Like, most of the things we're dealing with are, for lack of a better term, petty, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of times we go to a barking dog complaint, like, my neighbor's dog <laughs> is barking, which, right. if my neighbor's dog was barking, I'd probably want something done about it, too. But, like, yeah. that's, that's a good example. Like, and, and the people that we are having to put up with, like they are image bearers of God. Like they mm-hmm. have eternal dignity and value um, because they were created in God's image. But at the same time, it can get a little frustrating having to deal with the same types of people over and over again. <laughs> um, and I have to remind myself that this person is created in God's image every time I'm dealing with them and don't want to. Mm. Um, sometimes you like, and I would say this to, to first day Joe, sometimes you will have days where you come home from work and you are so like, I made a giant difference today, whether it's something as simple as I helped this old lady across the street or I took a a violent criminal off the streets and got him in jail. Right? Like there will be days where you feel that most days will not be like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Most days you are going to feel burdened. You're going to feel, why did I join this job? Not most days, but a lot of days. Um, (laughs) Burdened is probably most days. Why did I join this job? It's probably like once a month. <laughs> I was going to say once a month. <laughs> yeah, once a month. But um, yeah. understand that like this is a great job. Mm-hmm. It's a great career. Um, and if it's done correctly and lawfully, like it can be very rewarding. And 
but like you're gonna take a social hit you will lose friends um you will always have family members worried about you uh every single day before i get on patrol um either i text my mom or my mom texts me and it's the same thing be safe i love you Mm. Um, every single day I work every day. And so like, before I walk out the door, if my wife's at home, she's sometimes at work, but if she's at home, like we take an intentional time to just pray for my safety, both of us. Mm. Um, it's, it, you are going to lose friends, have family members worried about you. You are going to be put under high amounts of stress. You're going to lose sleep. I mean, it's, it's a challenging profession, but like, don't be discouraged when you feel like you can't do it anymore. Like every police officer will question themselves especially a Christian police officer, one that like actually wants to uh, appeal to the virtues in the, in the scriptures that talk about, you know, laying down your life and, and mm. justice, these big concepts. It is heavy. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of times you're, you're discouraged, but I, I would say the first day, Joe, like know that you're about to enter this challenging profession, but don't let, don't let that one day discourage you from it. Is yeah. there one thing day and day that those long days that does keep you going? Yes. Um, because I have this new life in Christ and I can actually pursue God's law with grace and understanding and knowing that I've been clothed in righteousness. Um, I can now actually feel better as a police officer attempting to use Christ's model of restoring the world to how it originally was when he was on earth here because when i when i'm talking to the to the the battered wife that had her husband get intoxicated and, and beat her up and right. she's sitting there bleeding right that is brokenness that is terrible yeah. that is that is evil and my heart aches every time i have to go to those mm. knowing that this woman had been beaten by her husband right knowing that her husband's an image bearer of, of god but knowing that he needs to face justice for what he's done on earth um, and knowing that me, me arresting him that night in an attempt to seek justice for his wife is a way that I can, in that moment, restore something that is broken. Mm. Though it might be momentary and though he might come home the next day and do it again, I can know that I'm actually doing something to restore brokenness using God's justice on earth as a means to do that. That's what pushes me when I don't yeah. want to deal with the problems. Um, yeah. Because... It's one thing to say, well, I just want to go home at the end of the night. Like, I can't wait to go home and be with my wife and dog. Yeah, yeah that's true, too. That's 100% true, like, <laughs> of course. But, like, when you appeal to, to, to non-metaphysical things such as big, big concepts, for mm. me, I lose sight of the goal, right? And yeah. it, it, I don't feel motivated to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, wrapping up here, uh, lastly, I do ask every guest two questions at the end of yeah. the show. Uh, and firstly, um, if I was able one day, not right now, Joe, unfortunately, <laughs> to hand you a blank check and say, how would you use that towards your passion? Um, how would you use that? Blank check to use towards my passion. Um, I would probably give, um, so this is a great question because I can tie kind of these two things, the gospel and police officers. Mm. We have a chaplaincy in our police department where, you know, these, these chaplains that they're there for our support, emotional support. Um, and actually the guy who did my wedding, great friend of mine. Um, he's my pastor. He's actually a chaplain 
uh, with my mm. department, which is so cool. So he can ride along with me anytime he wants to, anytime I want him to. Um, but I think there's, there's this chaplaincy and their, their goal right now is to kind of show a major crime scene and console uh, the families of, of a deceased person, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're there to, when an officer faces a critical incident, we just actually, back in January, unfortunately, we just had an officer uh, kill him on a duty in my department. Um, and the chaplains came out to talk with us, let us talk about how, how, what's going on, how they can care right. for us. And I think that's a very needed part of our department, but not utilized enough, in my opinion. However, I do think I would want to start a ministry that the goal of the ministry, whether through a local church, preferably through a local church, um, would be to minister to police officers, right? Um, where their sole goal, yes, being a part of the church, but their sole goal is to care for, love, and witness to police officers. Because regularly we are facing situations where we've got to contemplate our own morale, mortality, right? We're always right. thinking about, sometimes I walk out the door of my own home and I think that might be the last time I see my wife, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a little dramatic, but like when you see what's going on in the world, when you see police officers killed in the line of duty, it's not an unreasonable thing to think, right? Yeah. I am not the only police officer in this country, and I, not, I will never be the only one thinking about that when they leave their home. Yeah. So I would want to start a ministry that is specifically designed these godly men and women to reach out to police officers, care for them, right? Be people that they can rely on, right? Um, and maybe some of them, maybe some of the police officers will be there to, maybe they'll, they'll reach out to them regularly. Maybe they won't, but I think the chaplaincy is good, but their purpose is not necessarily ministry. Their purpose is more consolation, like being able to console grieving people. Right. Um, right. I would want a ministry designed to pour into police officers, mm-hmm. uh, where we can, we can introduce the gospel, the true gospel to police officers that are hurting and police officers that are um needing some support um because i think more often than not we have we just have this cop culture that um and i've been guilty of it too we we often don't want to talk about our feelings yeah right i have seen some of the most heinous most terrible things in my in my job just short two years on the job um i have i have faced and seen some things that have left scars and will leave scars for me forever Mm -hmm. um things and that are that are very just very egregious i've seen victims of crimes heinous crimes pleading for for help right and it's and it takes a toll and like i have to separate myself when i come home Mm. and just take that out of the equation so i can actually i don't want to bring stuff like that home with me because that'll affect everything in my life yeah there's some things that even like i i try to have as much transparency with my wife um i think godly marriage is a blessing but there are some things even i don't want my wife knowing that i've seen because it's just that terrible. I don't want my wife feeling the burden of knowing that, that Joe went through that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's a much needed place for ministry. So if you could write me a blank, if you had a blank check and you could write me any amount of, any amount of money, I would want to invest as much money as I could into a ministry designed to care for police officers. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh, I love that. I love how it also kind of ties together what we've been talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's great. Uh, and it makes sense because that's like the person you are. I mean, that's like you all together, like your passion is being a police officer and helping people, but also, you know, being a Christian and a man of faith and wanting to have others um, hear that too. So, yeah. I appreciate it, man. 
Yeah. Let me know um, when you get that money, man. Just let me know. I know. <laughs> People keep every episode. I'm like, sorry, I can't do it right now. <laughs> Maybe one day. Um, well, lastly, too, uh, um, I love asking. I just love ending on such a, po- a positive note of like just asking people like, what is one thing or multiple things that you're loving right now? If you, I also answer this question. So if you need to think about it, you can. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's up to you. If you're ready, I can, you can go. I'll let you go first. If you okay. Want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I thought of this right before we recorded and now I'm like, wait, what was it again? <laughs> um, I am loving a lot of things. I mean, I've said before, but like the weather changing, I'm super loving that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I am loving my job. Um, and I'm still fairly, I mean, I've only been here like two months, so like I'm still yeah. fairly new and loving like exploring the area and all of that. Um, Oh shoot! I had something in my brain, and now it's like <laughs> gone. I have that happens to me all the time, like, man. <laughs> ugh. Well, really, we're recording this on a Sunday. Um, I'm really loving weekends. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> so Barely. you told me I think your days off are like Sunday through Wednesday, or is that was that it? Yeah, it's a, it's a little odd actually. So it just was. I was off um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay. And we have two platoons that rotate. So everyone works Wednesdays, but our days off are the three days that the other platoon's not working. So um, I'm about, so I just had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm now about to change over to having Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And okay. I'm in this weird limbo where I just work three days. I'm off today and then I work three more. But then uh, I switch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just love, like, I really do look for as much as i love my job like weekends are great i think a time to rest is like such a good time it's so great and um getting i mean my wife's not here right now but spending time with my wife on the weekends when we can and she studies all the time because she's in medical school but um yeah i think just having those days of like oh i can come home and like just like rest and like chill (laughs) that's what i'm loving yeah Yeah. what about you Oh, I am loving right now. Um, <laughs> this is such a this is such a thing. If anyone know, has known me for the last few years of my life, this is going to resonate. Obviously, like of course, Joe would say that. Yeah, I love a really good cup of coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. Right now. A I, cup of I, Joe. Yes, cup of Joe. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, I I am a coffee drinker, probably to an unhealthy degree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, there's nothing like. I think when you couple coffee with, with some, like, I like sitting in a coffee shop and talking with people, mm-hmm. connecting with people, yeah. nothing beats like a cup of coffee and a good talk of theology. Nothing beats a cup of coffee with a good book. Nothing beats a cup of coffee surrounded by beautiful weather. Right. I just yeah. think coffee just enhances every situation. <laughs> I've been drinking coffee this whole entire recording. So. <laughs> Listen, I have, I like coffee, but very like, I like like mocha a lot. I like lattes a little bit. The flavored stuff. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I actually was a barista for a little bit. And my wife was like, you don't even drink coffee. Why are you a barista? Oh, I and, didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just for like in between jobs in, in um, last or a year and a half ago. And, um, which I loved, I loved being a barista. It was so much fun. I, I secretly had this goal of like wanting to be one. So I was like, Oh sweet. I get to be one now. <laughs> <laughs> you can say and 
yeah 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 and i can like learn i learned how to make all these different type of drinks which it's really not that hard but um yeah i i had this kind of secret dark um thought thought about coffee is that people don't actually really like the taste of it they just think they do they just like the like the surround like you know the community aspect or like you know meeting people and it's like such like let's go get coffee like that's like the thing you say and my wife's like no I actually like the taste and I'm like no you don't (laughs) so it's it's really funny that you say that because as much as I want to say yeah like coffee's so good I'm not gonna lie to you like so I drink a lot of coffee like I drink coffee like all day like it's Maybe I should probably repent. <laughs> but, uh, an IV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I drink so much coffee, and I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. When I'm like on my third cup of the day, I'm sometimes like, I don't even know if this tastes really good, but I know like it's it. I just like the feel of it, so I'm yeah, just gonna. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of on board with you. My wife's the same way though. She's like, it's sometimes it's like the feeling of how I feel, and I'm like, is that healthy? No, <laughs> no. probably not. If no. We're <laughs> no, that's great, and and so relatable. I mean, so relatable. People drink coffee all the time. I hear that all the time. People are like, I live on coffee and I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) But I also enjoy, yeah, I enjoy certain things. But my I always say like my taste palette's like kind of like a little kid. And so I just it just hasn't grown out yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Well, awesome. I'm, I love that. I mean, we're all loving so many different types of things and, you know, coffee gets you through the day. That's what you need. Oh, it does. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Joe, thank you so much for doing this. I can't believe we're already done. I know. Man. Hey, thank you so much for having yeah. me. I mean, it's truly an honor. I mean, this is, this is a very awesome opportunity. So it means a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you guys go and share this episode on all your platforms. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at passionproject.pod. And yeah, we will see you next time. <laughs>